Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. It was awesome. Yesterday I was taking my grandson here and just to hear the shofars and hear the the prayer going on, those that are doing the night watch, praise God, I thank the Lord. I pray for our Spanish church this morning going on over there. I got As I was pulling in the parking lot, um, our leader from Nepal called me. It's amazing. He can be sitting in the Himalayan mountains and call me. <laughs> you know? And he said, they're so glad to be back um, to service. There are, he estimates 49,000 believers there in, uh, in our 107 churches. And they've been in lockdown for one year. And he said, Man, it is awesome. And all of our, I don't call them orphans, our girls there that have been raised up now that are in college in uh, Delhi, India, and also in Kerala, uh, they're doing all, they're all doing well. So keep praying for our missionaries, Costa Rica, um, Mozambique, pray for Kent and Andrea. They're, um, whew, the stuff that's going on in Mozambique in the north, I'm not even going to talk about it right now, but just keep them and lift it up in prayer. And also for Israel. My rabbi friends in Israel, there is a, um, there's a whole lot going on right now, and we need for covering for prayer for them in Jesus' name, and certainly for our nation as well. All right, do you have a copy of the handout? If you don't, raise your hand, and we'll make sure you get one back here. If our, okay, I'm not sure where they all are. Did we give them all out, or, oh, we got some more. Okay, praise God. Just leave them up, and we'll get you a copy of it. I want to continue on this theme of the glory. And I've titled this morning's message out of Isaiah 60, verse 1, The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The glory, just chew on this for a minute. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now, we defined glory last week. We went and looked at that out of another scripture out of Isaiah 40. It's the weightiness, it's the honor, it's the amazing revelation of what he's done. But that glory is now risen upon you. So if the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, what does that look like? What do you look like when the glory of the Lord has risen on you? Somebody give me some thoughts. You're shining. Like when uh, Moses came down off the mount, they had to cover him up because he said, man, right? And it says we have now even a more excellent covenant where you now become the ambassadors of the light. Don't hide your light under a basket. If you're afraid to tell somebody out there about who you are, take your basket off and stand up and let your light so shine before men. The world needs it, right? So shining, what's another one? When the glory comes on you, what does that look like? Okay, what's that? Shekinah. Supernatural? It's that weighty heaviness, okay. A dangerous glory. Yeah, dangerous to who? <laughs> yeah, the enemy sees it, right? We've been in places where the, we're doing deliverances and the warlocks are there and they've come and I've had them under blood sacrifice, came to kill me and my team and, and we deliver this one little girl. She couldn't have been 110 pounds. Five men held her down. When she gets delivered, she says, I was sent here under blood sacrifice to kill you. I said, well, that's some news. <laughs> But she goes, there's others out there. So we just declared the glory of God, and it's dangerous. If those who were there in that setting in, in um, Tanzania, who was with me on that trip? Tanzania, right? 
We were in that place, and we saw such deliverance. It was dangerous glory for the enemy. We, we saw worship come down. As soon as the Mountain of Worship team from South Carolina started worshiping, the manifestation of the darkness could not hide. Hundreds manifested. They were dragged into the deliverance tent all day long. My team said, oh, my Lord, we never saw such amazing power of danger to the the next year we went back and we were so like armed up ready to go like we told everybody they came back and told their stories and said man we must have taken communion every day of there like we got to be ready we got to be ready as soon as worship started there was not one manifestation i'm like what is up with that i said lord how come last year it was hand-to-hand combat and you won and and now it's like he says the devil's hiding because it's dangerous glory. He lost so much ground. And so one of my guys, Phil Walls, he says, man, pastor, where is that devil? I said, I'm going out to pick a fight with him. I said, that's not a good idea. Let the Lord reveal. (laughs) So what's the point? When the glory comes and it rises upon you, there needs to be a shift. People need to see it. They need to walk up and say, what's different about you? What's up with you? What why do you have this supernatural peace? Because the fruit of the Spirit ought to be evident. If you're walking around with this forlorn, oh, my God, it's COVID and everything. It's so bad. The nation's falling apart. And like, who in the world is going to, oh, my wife doesn't like that expression when I get dramatic. So, uh, <laughs> but you get my point, right? Let, you know, tell your face, the, the Lord's shining in me. It'd be a good idea. It might tell, you know, it's time to let your face shine for the Lord. Bright light. That's it. All right. So let's, um, let's assume that that glory and your attitude and your activities. So we've been using a few scriptures of late that talks about the one new man. Can tell me where that scripture comes from? One new man. Ephesians. Hebrews. Okay, we know from Ephesians 1, this is going to connect in a minute. Ephesians 1.10 and Ephesians 2.15 speaks of Jew and Gentile being one new man, right? And we know from that, because when I read Isaiah 60 here in a moment, you're going to see why that's important. There is a time coming when the glory of the Lord will shine upon his people and the world will see the one new man. Jew and Gentile connected together. This has not happened yet. All the commentaries will tell you in Isaiah 60, this is future. But we're going to look at Isaiah 59, and it's going to tell us, where are you right now? What is the time clock that this nation and the world is in? And so let's turn to Isaiah 60 for a moment. We also know from Romans chapter 11, we used this a few weeks back, and we talked about all the lies associated with the heresy that The church has replaced Israel. That's a lie. Romans 11 clarifies that for sure. You've been grafted in. Remember, you're the wild bunch. You've been grafted into the the regular olive tree. And don't think you're so pridefully arrogant that you can't be ungrafted, right? And so he says there's a time coming when that, again, the one new man, when all of Israel says, Romans 11, 17 through 19 says, when the exact number of Gentiles has come in, all of Israel will be saved. And at that point, you and I are Israel. We are grafted into the tree, right? So you're now growing in the olive tree at that moment, and they will be seen as one. 
God sees his family as one. No longer. Galatians, Paul tells us, there's no longer Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, or free. One in the spirit in Christ. And so there's a point coming. This is future tense. We have not received this yet, but it's coming. So let's look at Isaiah 60 for a moment. Arise, verse 1, arise, shine. So you got to get up. you got to shine. For the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see all that gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from afar. The daughter shall be nursed at your side. You see the oneness there. You see the glory rising. But it's in the midst of gross darkness. The people is, what does gross darkness look like? Well, I think you just need to look out there today about the grossness of some of the darkness that's happening out there. It's incredible what's going on and the rapid pace of what's going on. The darkness is becoming darker, but thank you that the rising of the light shall be upon his people, and it will become this oneness together. Well, it goes on, and we'll just paraphrase. It talks about what is a future tense. This whole uh, of Isaiah 60 is actually fulfilled in Revelation 21. If you look at this now, 600, 700 years before Christ is born, Isaiah writes this. This is the same prophet who prophesied a virgin would give birth, right? An amazing prophet. Probably one of the most uh, amazing of all the old-time prophets, even though they're all amazing. But then it's fulfilled in John's prophecy 60 years after Christ's death and resurrection in Revelation 21-23. It talks about the light that shall come. So let's look at some of the highlights of this Isaiah 60. This has not transpired yet in the history of the world, but it's coming. It goes on it says, the nations will come. This is in verse 6. They'll bring the wealth of the nations to Israel. This, this, by the way, blows apart any heresy associated with Israel has been replaced by the church. You're not reading the book if you believe that. Honestly, you cannot. And this goes on. It says, Israel be restored. In fact, they'll bring the wealth of the nations. In verse, let's take a look here. In verse, uh, they bring the people from Israel home from far away. Again, carrying silver and gold. This is the restoration of Israel that will bring honor. Foreigners will come in verse 10. They'll rebuild your towns. That's already happened. The nations shall refuse the, the nations that refuse to serve you will be destroyed. Verse 12. The glory of Lebanon will be yours. Verse 14. This is a warning to all those who hate Israel and want her destruction. The descendants of your tormentors will come and bow before you. Those who despised you will kiss your feet. They will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Verse 16. Powerful kings and mighty nations will satisfy every need that you have. I love this. We know this hasn't happened. Verse 18, violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround your city walls, and praise will be upon the lips of all who enter here. Here's the verse that confirms the prophecy of John in Revelation 21, 23. 
No longer, verse 19, no longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light. For the Lord God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set. Your moon will not go down. The Lord will be your everlasting light. All your people will be righteous. Woo. They will possess their land forever. I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. The smallest family will become a thousand people. The tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. So this is a future promise of hope, and it coincides with many other prophecies. So where are we now, Pastor? Where is this? Well, that was the good news. Let me turn you to the bad news. Isaiah 59. He talked about in the midst of the gross darkness and all of the evil that's there, he warns the preceding things that will happen in Isaiah 59. He says, listen, the arm of the Lord is not short or weak, and his ear is not deaf. He can save you and he hears you. Now listen what happens here. This is a warning to everyone in this room and to myself. We're going to look at some things. Since we're so excited about the glory, I also want to contrast that with how do you lose the glory? And you're about to see this. First of all, you know that sin causes an iron heaven. If you continue, you know this by yourself. You've been walking with the Lord at any time, and you crack open the door. It's subtle at first. You start messing in the little places at first. That thing starts to grow. Remember he talks about the little leaven that ruins the whole bunch? My warning to you, there's some sitting here today, you're messing where you should not be messing. There's a loss that can happen to you that is so severe, and this is an hour. I'm, I'm not trying to be... Um, to bring fear, but I'm also trying to bring an, a, an understanding. This is not a time. It never has been, but this is not a time. You will lose your family. You will lose your business. You can lose your health. So please, as, for, as an unction unto the Lord, stop it. Stop it. You've got to make the bride's got to make herself ready. Here's the warning. And this is where sin, it starts to cover your eyes. You start to get blinded. You start to believe the lies of deception that you can go messier. You can't. Sin will take you where you don't want to go. It'll make you pay more than you want to pay. And it'll make you stay longer than you want to stay. Come on. I wasn't planning that. I'm just telling you there's a warning right here for someone sitting under the tent and those by live stream. You're dabbling where you should not be dabbling. Please, by the unction of the Lord, turn. He's, he's not angry with you. He's not. Just come on back. Come on back. There's a way back. Here's the warning that he gives to what's happening in the earth right now. Isaiah 59. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you. Praise God. His ear is not too deaf to hear your call. If your sins have cut you off from God, because your sins he's turned away and he will not listen to you anymore. There's a place, there's a point where God says, I'm done. I'm done. Now, the fact that you're here or listening is not that place. Because you're still in the, re in the you're being pulled. And so don't let condemnation, oh my gosh, I'm so lost. No, the blood is able. But he says, because of your sins, he's turned away. 
Verse 3, your hands are the hands of murderers. If you hate, you're a murdering spirit. Your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies. And your mouth spews corruption. Told you this was not real good news. But I promise it will get better. No one cares about being fair and honest. This is the, I, I can remember, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older now. And I can remember honesty where things were done with a handshake and people were afraid to lie to your face. It's all over people's, this is this place and no one cares about being fair and honest. Verse 4, the people's lawsuits are based on lies. Some of you are in court right now, and they're, they're conjuring up lies about you. They conceive evil deeds, and they give birth to sin. They hatch deadly snakes and weave webs like spiders' webs. Whoever falls into their webs will die, and their danger even getting near them. Their webs can't be made into clothing, and nothing it produces is productive their feet run to do evil, and they rush to commit murder. They think about only sinning. This reminded me of Genesis 6-5 in the days of Noah. He says in Genesis 6-5, it says, their thought was totally and consistently evil. And God was sad that he ever made man. But praise God, there was a righteous man named Noah. Verse 8, they don't know where to find peace, what it means to be just and good. They've mapped out crooked roads, and no one follows them, and anyone who does, they don't have one moment of peace. There is no justice. How many times we've been crying out, God, where's the justice? There is no justice. We know nothing about right living. We look for light, but we only find darkness. We grope like the blind. It's like the living among the dead. Verse 12, their sins are piled up before God and they testify against us. Yes, we know we're sinners. We are. We know that we've rebelled and have denied the Lord. We've turned our backs on God. We know how unfair and oppressive we've been, carefully planning all deceitfulness. Our courts oppose the righteous and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets. Honesty's been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone. And anyone who renounces the evil is attacked. Is that happening right now? You stand for righteousness, you get attacked. You get labeled some woke character. They want to shut you off. They want to come and revile you at your house, threaten you and intimidate you. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice he was amazed there was no intercessors. No one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. He put on his righteousness, his body armor, he placed on his helmet on his head and he clothed them with a robe of vengeance and he wrapped himself in a cloth of divine passion. See, you can come to God through repentance, or you can come another way. I trust that we have the intercessors. That's why we've been standing in this gap, asking people to come and build the wall of righteousness. There's a warning coming from the prophets. They're coming for your children. They're coming for your grandchildren. 
Just turn on the TV. I don't do it anymore, thank God. I'm in a place of fasting that. But it's time for us to wake up. The prophets are saying, you better stand. You better take your place on the wall because they're coming. And so where are the righteous people? It's not going to be by spirit. It's not going to be by power and might. It's going to be by his spirit. Second Chronicles 7.14 is not a joke. It's my people called by my name. If they'll humble. It's not the pagans out there. It's not the ones that are lying and doing all the unjust. It's my people that will turn this thing. If you repent, it's conditional. If you turn to me. So where's his people? Where are the people that are going to stand and say, you can't have my city. You can't have my children. You can't have our schools. You can't have our churches. We have the one who's righteous. We stand in that place. We know what righteousness is. We will not bow to your woke society. We will not. And the statistics are so Horrible. I'm not trying to depress you this morning. I'm really not. I looked at these statistics yesterday. This is the largest decline in faith in the history of the United States. Since 2007, 51% have turned away from organized church. The growth of professing atheists, agnostics, spiritualists, and Satanists are up 17% in less than 10 years. There are 125,000 abortions today. 40 to 50 million per year worldwide. We're killing our young. Five out of 10 in the United States pregnancies are unintended. Four in 10 are aborted. 3,000 per day in the United States. 47 people are murdered every day in the U.S., 17,250 annually. Worldwide sex trafficking. There are four estimated, it's hard to even figure this statistic, they said, between 20 and 40 million are in modern-day slavery. It's a $150 billion a year business. 71% of women and girls are now trafficked in that number. 29% are boys. 50,000 are trafficked Every year in the U.S., 50,000. Drug overdoses, 70,630 died in 2019, a 4% increase year over year. The U.S. has the highest rate in the world of any marriages being dissolved out of all 130 nations in the world. The number of births outside of marriage, we lead the world. 23% 23% of children under age 18 are now living in a one-parent family. 80% of single parents are mothers. One-third of them live in poverty. This was unheard of 30 years ago. The indecency and the unrest and the violence are increasing. Just look at airline travel. 500% increase in in-flight disturbances by people that are unruly and angry. You wonder why there's no peace? They can't find it. Because sin is abounding everywhere. The darkness and gross darkness is going. People are turning. They don't even know where God is. So that's the bad news. Let me dig a little deeper and then we'll give you the good news. When you look at your outline, where are we in God's time clock? The gross darkness is going up. But the light is rising as well. Number one, 
The world is spiraling into darkness, sin, iniquity, and transgression. We just read it. Number two, justice and righteousness have been turned back. Truth is failing and falling in the streets, number three. Number four, the Lord sees there's no justice. Then it says the Lord will withdraw his glory from the world when sin is not addressed. I want you to see this because this is the warning that goes along. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 2. I want you to see that you're responsible if you are a single person in your family or you're a family member, your business, your church, your country. This applies to any one of us on how you might lose the glory of the Lord. And you know this. Once you crack the door to sin, one who, once you were on fire for God, you were, in, you were after God, and all of a sudden the door gets cracked and there's this slow burn that goes in the wrong direction. Watch out, little eyes, what you see. Watch out, little hands, what you handle. Remember that song? I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2, and I'll give you a context here. After the death of Joshua, the unity of Israel fell apart, and the nation became disunified. Sounds familiar. And so when, when, when the leadership became foul and unclean, the nation dissolved. Israel started to dissolve, and they became now led by judges. And there was a formation of both the political system and the religious system now ruled by judges. And one of those judges was Eli, and he ruled for 40 years. So when you see corruption in the political system and corruption in the religious hierarchy system, be careful. When they're molded together and both of them are corrupt, this is what happens to the glory. But when you counter it, if the church rises up and is righteous, we see that in Israel. He always raises up a Josiah, a Hezekiah. He raises them up who, who stand the banner, who tear down the witchcraft. Remember Josiah? He's, what, eight years old when he becomes the king? At 16, what is he doing? He's tearing down all the Baal worship and Asherah poles. He even makes toilets out of their temples. I love that. So you can poop on that all day long, right? Excuse me, that's probably not very nice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I gotta look. I yeah, I, I'm gonna do better. Okay, so when we look at Second Samuel, Eli is wicked. Verse twelve, it says Eli had sons who were scoundrels. The problem is they were priests. Their duties as priests, when anyone offered sacrifice, Eli's sons, they would steal the offerings and they would also seduce the women at the church. He's warned, verse 17, the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight and they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. Be careful how you treat the Lord's offerings. Eli, verse 22, was very old, and he was aware of his sons were doing, and the people of Israel, he knew, for instance, his sons were seducing young women at the, assist, at, the, at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I've been hearing all these reports from all the people of your wicked things that you're doing. Why do you keep on sinning? You must stop, my sons. I hear this report among you. Verse 25, but Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father. So the Lord was already planning to put them to death. This is the warning. When leadership does not address sin in the camp, 
Now, I get it when it's sin in your own camp. Certainly was his church and his family. But Eli was warned. A third time he's warned. Verse 29, so why do you scorn sacrifices and offering? Why do you give your sons, Eli, more honor than you give me? For you have become fat and your best offerings from the people of Israel. Verse 30, I will no longer honor you. I will honor those who honor me, and I despise those who think lightly of me. I will put an end to them. Whoa. Chapter 3. Samuel is called. You know the story of Hannah. She devotes her son. He then, she then gives Samuel, the boy, to Eli to be raised. It's amazing how a prophet like Samuel can be raised in the midst of that kind ungodliness. But Samuel's raised up. Verse 11 of chapter 3, 1 Samuel. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something shocking in Israel. I'm going to carry out my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever, but his sons have blasphemed God. He hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that his sons of Eli will never be forgiven. Whew. Now here's what goes on. And you know, Samuel has a dream. He hears the Lord speak to him, calls out Samuel's name three times. Eli says, just tell the Lord you're listening. And he hears that threat about Eli, and he's afraid to tell Eli. But in verse 18, Samuel told Eli everything he had been told, and he didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will. Now listen to Eli's response. Let him do what he thinks is best. How many opportunities does we have to have to be warned? God is a long-suffering God. I've told you this. I've warned you. I've called you. I've brought. And Eli does not confront the evil. We know even places like King Manasseh, who was the, one of the wickedest, he repents and God forgives him. Well, here's what happens. The Philistines come out in war, 4,000, chapter 4. 4,000 men are killed. They defeat the enemies of, of Israel at that moment. So here's what they decide to do. Let's bring the ark out. Look at this response. This is in the Philistines are going to capture the ark, but in 1 Samuel chapter 4, they decide we can win if we bring out the ark, the presence, right? Look at verse 3. It says, they said, let's bring out the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. The presence of God is not an it. It's a relationship. They thought they could bring this box with the Lord in it, and that because of his history, with no relationship, this is the warning, you better have a relationship with God in the presence. Because what's about to happen, when you try to use God... You're going to die. That's the mess that happened with Ananias and Sapphira that we've been warning about. So Hophni and Phinehas go out to battle. They're killed. When the report comes back that the ark has been taken, his two sons are dead. Eli is shocked, falls back, and breaks his neck, and he's dead. 
his son's wife, who's pregnant, when she hears that her father-in-law and the two brothers, her husband, are, is dead, she goes into labor, and she is going to die in labor, but just before she dies, she gives birth to a son, and she says, I'm going to name him Ichabod, verse 21, 1 Samuel 4, 21. She named the child Ichabod, which means the glory is gone. Where is the glory? So what's the message, Pastor? When you're pursuit of the glory of God, you need to be really careful. And this is a season coming in the earth where time is running out. The word has been blasted probably to every nation on the face of the earth now, based on all the satellites and everything. He says, and when the word has been preached in all the world, then the end will come. So we see this place where sin, disobedience, idolatry can destroy a family, can destroy a church and a nation. Jesus warned, if you look at number seven there on your handout, we won't turn there, but in Matthew 23, 37, this is after Jesus so wanted Jerusalem to recognize him. But Jesus grieves and says, I have wanted so much for you but now since you've turned away the city that has now killed the prophets and he prophesies in Matthew 24 not one stone will be left here and in 70 AD the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem and it was not until the restoration in 1948 that that prophecy had been completed and now we sit on the eve of Zechariah 13, 14, and 15, uh, 12, 13, 14, where that is going to be fulfilled again. He's coming. Second coming. He's coming. Verse number eight, he, repentance and obedience can restore. We're never too far if we will just repent. If you're listening, repent, turn, get away from your stuff that's causing you to compromise. When he says, I looked for an intercessor and I could not find one, that so disturbed me. In number 10 there, where he says in Ezekiel, if I said it once, I've said it a dozen times here, we need people to stand on the wall of prayer. If you've not signed up, there's plenty of spots. Just come. Read the scriptures. Come and pray. Stand. Meditate. Minister to the Lord. Burn for him. Build this wall of prayer. You're doing it for not just the city, but for your family, for the city itself, but the region. Where are the gap standers? He says, I looked just for one. I love what Mark shared Wednesday, last Wednesday. It was so good. It was the short staff revival. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. It's the orphan Esther for such a time as this, who tries to argue with Uncle Mordecai, I, I, I don't want to use well, deliverance to the Jews will come from somewhere else, but you'll pay a price. How do you know that it wasn't you for such a time as this? How about Rahab, the prostitute, who helps the, the spies hide out? She says, remember me. The scarlet rope goes down from the window in the wall. The three Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Israelite boys who said, King, even if he doesn't deliver us, we're not bowing. We may go in the fire, and that may be it, but we won't bow. I don't care what you do, King. So it only takes an orphan, a prostitute, and three boys 
to turn a nation around. Where are they? I'm asking you, where are they? Where are they in our school system? And where are they in the political system? Where are they? I know there's some here that are running for office. They've been in here speaking and sharing. God, I ask you to raise up the righteous men and women who say, this is the line in the stand. We believe this book. You will not destroy this nation with your hypocrisy and your lies. We will not. We will not bow. Even if he doesn't deliver, we will not bow. But he will. He's promised. Number 11, the Lord will step in with his garments of vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Now, this good news, you ready for the good news? Okay. Okay, praise God. I know. I know. It's like, let me get to Isaiah 59 again. Look at the last verse just before he promises the release of this amazing blessing upon the whole world. He finishes Isaiah 59 in verse 21. Well, let's do 20. It's even better. Oh, I can't. I got to go further back. <laughs> Woo verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall be raised like a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. King, that's King James, New Living, verse 21. This is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. Isn't that good? They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. The question is, who's in covenant with him? That's the promise. So let's... Do one through seven on the bottom. The future is bright and beautiful. Isaiah blows away, verse chapter 60, blows away all this crazy heresy about replacement. Pray for Israel. Arise and shine, church. We know in number five, the lost are going to come to your light. They're going to come to your light. So let's stand. I want to invite the ministry team if you'll come. Worship team, if you'll come. I made an invitation if you're not sure where you are or if you've it's touched a, a nerve in you today that I want to make sure I'm in a good place. Don't leave without prayer. This is a day of many turnarounds. I have a, this sense of urgency to warn the people it's not the same season. It's not the same season that we're in. We have to be very, very diligent and careful. The Lord could come back at any moment. He can come back at any moment. Don't be like in the days of Noah. I want to end with a scripture that will encourage you. In Second Peter, we know, I've, I've shared this before out of Revelation 3.10, those who persevere 
He promises he will keep you from the hour of testing that will come upon the whole earth because of your perseverance. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about what the danger is going on, all the false prophecies. But he then says, don't you remember in ancient times, this is 2 Peter 2, verse 5. Remember, he did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah was warned the world of God's righteous judgment was coming. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of the ungodly people with a vast flood. And he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he turned them into heaps of ashes. But he spared Lot. See, Lot was a righteous man, and he was tormented by everything he sees. If you're tormented by what you see, I got good news. You're not alone. That righteousness is in you. And it says that he, he, spared, he spared Lot. So you see, verse 9. See, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of the final judgment be in the ark of jesus this is the place he knows who you are he's marked you he knows who wear what garments you're wearing let's not be like adam and eve in the garden who walked with him in the cool of the day and then sin opened the door and they went and hid and they had to get fig leaves on. It's kind of either fellowship or fig leaves. What are you wearing? Are you in fellowship or are you wearing your fig leaves hiding from God? This is not a time. It's not a time to be in your fig leaves. So Lord, we just, I ask now for peace. I know this is a, a tough word, but it's, it's that place of warning in the Lord for all of us, for me as well. To whom much is given, much is required. Some of you have walked with the Lord a long, long time. You're not a newbie. This is a place where get back to your first love. If you think you're okay, he tells the church at Laodicea that you're really, you're not where you think you ought to be. And this church needs to move deeper in the presence. We have to move deeper in the presence. We have to be totally sold out for him. No compromises here. So God, I pray that you would bring us along. We want to come willingly, God. We don't, we don't need a bit to jerk us one way or another. We come willingly to the place of repentance. If you need to repent this morning, come. Lay it down. You know, I preached a message like this once before, and another man died by the time he got home died of a heart attack I don't know how many days we've got left I just want to be found worthy I want to be found I want to be found in Jesus so Lord I ask you to come I get the picture that there's only so much sand in the hourglass once it starts to descend it goes very rapidly and that's where we are is right at the time of God's coming and we know that sand is moving fast we see it everywhere in Jesus name don't let the sand run out on the hourglass of your life there's so much joy and peace there's so much peace in the Lord we've been having some 
wonderful times of peace. So if you're struggling to find peace, find the Prince of Peace. I have another word of encouragement from the Word of God. It's in 1 Joshua, Josh, rather Joshua chapter 1. When Moses died and the people had to go with Joshua, and he said this, he said, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead the people to possess all the land I swore to your ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all my instructions. For us in this time, it's the Word of God. It's the New Testament. It's the things that Jesus taught, taught us that first and foremost, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. But even though the world is quickly falling down, even in the midst of it, the remnant is being revived. We are in revival. We're in revival, but we must be strong and courageous. And do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with us wherever we go. And everywhere we put our foot, it will belong to us. So, Lord, we thank you, God. We will be strong and courageous. We are the remnant. We are in revival. And we shall stand, and we will not stand for anything else but your purposes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So don't forget, uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, Gerard Nixon will be here. And Monday night, Kingdom Men, Kingdom Women. Tuesday night, Pastor Bishop. Wednesday night, Parthena. God bless you all. Sign up if you can for a place on the wall. God bless you all. Thank you. Come for prayer. Don't leave here today. If the Lord spoke to you, don't go until you get agreement. God bless you.